0: Praise God, and uh, but I want to continue uh, in the vein of what I've been talking about for the last few weeks, and that's on prayer, and I just kind of named it prayer time, and uh, so you know, we've done went over quite a bit of stuff, I'm not going back over what I preached, and if you did not get Wednesday's message, you are to go ahead, you are to order it on CD because I talked about believe and receive, and it's a very powerful message, and you ought to get that because of what I'm fixing to preach this morning. And uh, you will need that, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, but I, I'm going to talk about this. Uh, uh, Jesus said in uh, uh, Luke 18:1, he said, he told, said a parable unto them. He said, men ought to always pray and not lose heart or not give up or not faint. So men ought to always pray and not give up, lose heart, faint, give in, turn coward, the Amplified Bible says. And so uh, uh, God tells us we should always pray. Paul said it like this, we should pray without ceasing. That literally means, you know, we can't pray 24 hours a day, but we can have a prayer life. We can, we can constantly be conscious of prayer. You know, you're to be a type of person that talks to God all day long. You get up in the morning talking to Him. You, you, you're, you, you go to bed talking to Him. You, you, go, you drive down the road talking to Him. I, and just that, that's a life of prayer. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth always said, most of you may not know who Smith Wigglesworth is, but he uh, a tremendous man of God. And he said he had, uh, what, 23 documented people raised from the dead. He pulled some out of the caskets and raised them. And the thing about it is, he said, I never pray over 30 minutes at a time, but I never go over 30 minutes without praying. And so he had a life of prayer. And so having a life of prayer makes a difference because a lot of people think, well, you know, if I can just spend an hour in prayer. You know, it's fine if you can do that. But, you know, I found out I I spend well over an hour a day in prayer through the process of the day. Many times that spend that time at one time, a lot most a lot of times. And the thing about it is, but all through the day I pray. I drive down the road praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about I pray. Sometimes I went to San Marcos and preached in San Marcos at a play, and I prayed almost all the way to San Marcos in tongues. I'm talking about nearly the whole time, several times I had to stop. I just said, I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost all the way so I'll know exactly what to minister because it's going to be a bunch of preachers, and that's what all it was. And so, you know, I, I try to do that everywhere I go, just pray in the Holy Ghost. Menlanders and is praying in the Holy Ghost coming up here this morning and just praying in the Holy Ghost. And uh, I talk about six steps to answered prayer. If you'll do these and follow them faithfully, you'll get an answer to your prayers. Number one, decide what you want from God. Number two, read scriptures that promise the answer you need and meditate on them. Number three, I'm not, that's the reason I'm doing this because I've done talk about all these. Ask God for the things you want. Number four, believe that you receive. Believe that you receive. That's what I preached on Wednesday night. It's a very good message. You need it because you need to uh, know how to believe because the Bible says, what sort of things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them in Mark 11, 24. So God wants you to pray and then believe you have it. This morning, I want to talk about uh, uh, step number five. And it's, it, I want you to listen to this today because this could be a very reason, this could be the, one of the main reasons you're not receiving your prayers answered, and it is this, refuse to doubt. Refuse to doubt. Refuse to doubt. Doubt means this, it means to waver or fluctuate in opinion or to be uncertain. And so God wants you when you pray to believe that you receive and then refuse to doubt. Doubt. Listen, there's a powerful thing in this because I'm telling you, when you're praying, most most time, a lot of times when you're praying, you're dealing with your mind at the same time. Anybody besides me? You'd be just praying away, enjoying yourself. Next thing you know, you're dealing with some kind of stupid thought that's run through your head. Many people do that, in, in, especially when they're dealing with physical uh, situations, financial situations. They're in there praying, and all the time the devil said, it ain't going to work for you. What's wrong with you? It ain't going to happen to you. If it's going to happen to you, it had already happened. You're to say, you lie, you fry, devil. I am not putting up with you. Honey, you've got to learn to put some things down. I want to go to uh, uh, Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. I want to uh, go through some scriptures this morning about that. And we're talking about prayer. We're talking about praying, fellowshipping with God, talking to God, telling Him what you need, and just loving Him, thanking Him for what He's done. Amen? In verse 1... And uh, I think I'm going to do this Jr. in the uh, New Living Translation. So uh, uh, I've read it so many times, I preached from this so many times, but I want you to listen to it. In verse one, New Living Translation says, "Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, uh, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him uh, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, "Where did he get all this wisdom? and the power to perform such miracles. Then they scoffed. Then they scoffed. He he's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, Judas and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us, and they were deeply offended, and listen to what it said, and refused to believe in him. They refused to believe in him. I'm telling there's some people that just refuse to believe the word of God. It's sad. I've talked to people like that that they say they're Christians. I mean, I've talked to uh, uh, I was right here one day and there was a, uh, preacher came, a full gospel, Holy Ghost preacher. It might not have been in this church. I've seen him somewhere else. And he was sitting there talking to me and, and, uh, uh just talking out of the blue and he was dealing with some physical problems in his body. And, uh, and I, I, I'm thinking, well, this guy's got to hook up because he's got to believe in healing. He's got but he didn't. But he didn't. He believed God was allowing him to go through this for some reason or another. And this was a minister. And I I, I said, listen, the word says this, but I found out real quick, don't try to tell him nothing. You know, I know who I can tell something who I can't. Because if they start bowing up, you might as well just save your breath. All you can do is pray for them. Just pray that their eyes be opened. Jesus went in there with the full intentions of doing everything He did every other city He went to, every place He went to. He went with that same intention and they were, they was amazed. Oh my God. And Mike, they said, whoo, look at what this guy can do. But hey, isn't he just a carpenter? Craig, carpenters can do some things in God, can't they? <laughs> He's a contractor. And so they go on and they're sitting there and the Bible says they refused to believe in him. Why? Because they knew that he belonged to Mary. But what they did not know, he belonged to God and was sent from God. Amen? And so all they was doing is going strictly by what they saw him in the natural. Then Jesus told them a prophet is honored, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives, in his own house, among his family, his brothers sisters, and all such as that. And because, listen, and because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them, and he was amazed at their unbelief. He was amazed at their unbelief. Now, if I ask you a question, if Jesus... Because here, here's the deal. A lot of people will say, well, Jesus can do anything. Anybody have said that? You'll say, Jesus, He can do anything. He can't violate your will. He can't make you believe. Huh? You know what stood between them and a miracle? unbelief. What stood between them and getting a supernatural manifestation. Listen, that place was was full of sick people too, just like everywhere else he went. And that's why he went, because everywhere he went, he went to heal them. He went to minister to them. He went to teach them. and And so here he is in that same situation, and there's one thing that stood between him and performing miracles, and it was unbelief. Which is doubt, which is doubt. Junior, could you punch up uh, the verse five? And, uh, is it five and six in the message Bible? Can you get that pretty quick? Or, or is that the message? It says Jesus wasn't able to do much of anything there. He laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. That's all. Next verse. He couldn't get over their stubbornness. He called it stubbornness. Not to believe is being stubborn. Huh? And he left and made a circuit of the other villages teaching and, of course, healing. And so here we are. Jesus is saying, I want to do something. I couldn't do something because doubt and unbelief stood in my way. See, a lot of times when we pray, it's the same way. We go into prayer, we go in there in faith, and we say, well, I'm going to believe God, I'm going to go in there. And you you walk out the door saying, I hope this works. I don't know if it's going to work. You know, it don't seem like I'm getting any better. What happened? You have done put doubt and unbelief between you and a miracle. Can anybody hear me this morning? I want to help you. Man, I I call this a healthiest church in this region. I call this a healing center. I call this a healed body. And I'm telling you what, You, we have to cooperate with word. We have to cooperate with God. And if doubt and unbelief will hinder that, we need to know what we need to do to get it out of us. Remember, there was a, a man that brought a, uh, his son to Jesus. Uh, uh, he had a mute spirit, and he brought him to Jesus' disciples. And, and uh, I don't know why I'm saying this, because I didn't have it in my notes. And uh, he brought him to Jesus' disciples. They couldn't do nothing. Jesus was uh, up on the mountain doing some, uh, doing whatever he was doing. He come back down, and they brought him to him, and he said, Jesus, I brought you my son, and uh, to your disciples, and they couldn't do nothing with him. He said, well, bring him to me. And he's then, he told the father, he said, if you can believe, all things are possible to them that believe. If you can believe, all things are possible. He was telling the Father that. And here's what he said to Jesus. Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Because I guarantee you one thing, that unbelief will stop the miracle from happening. You said not when Jesus is there. Did you just read Mark with me? Where was Jesus? Right there in the midst of them. And they didn't get nothing. Because they didn't believe. They were full of doubt. They were stubborn. Huh? And so we got to understand this still works today. Believe and receive, doubt and do without. do without. That's a pretty good saying, isn't it? Amen. Look in Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews 3. And I'm going to read verse 19, I believe it is. Well, if I'd go to 3. And, of course, this is talking about when they were in the the wilderness and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, which was not God's intention. If you ever read the Old Testament, when they come out of Egypt, they wandered around in the uh, wilderness for 40 years and it was never God's plan for them to wander in that wilderness for 40 years. It was God's plan for them to go straight through and go right into the land uh, that flowed with milk and honey. To go right into the promised land of God, but through their stubbornness, through their rebellion, through their unbelief, they did not. Many did not get to go in because of that. See, there's a lot of people not entering into the promises of God because of their unbelief, because of their doubt. They're not. They're not enjoying those things today like God wants them to uh, enjoy. And it says in verse 19, it says we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief i was a uh, you know i was a uh, as i was uh, junior do me a favor punch that up in the amplified verse 19 we see that they were not able to enter into his rest because of their unwillingness to adhere to, and to trust in, and rely on God, unbelief has shut them out. Unbelief had shut them out. I wrote this down because, as I said, you can be in unbelief quoting the Word. That will shock you. You can be in unbelief quoting the Word. So we've got to learn to take control over unbelief. Look at Second Corinthians real quick, if you will. Second Corinthians chapter ten. Second Corinthians ten. I'm going to help you. Glory to God. I'm telling you what, as a pastor, I want to see the results of prayer. I want to see people coming up and saying, I tell you what I prayed and I got the answer. Glory to God. Hallelujah. In verse three, it says this for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. But notice what it says, bringing every thought. Did you know all, ever, ever doubt that you have is a product of a thought? Every doubt you have is a product of a thought. I'm telling you, that's why you're constantly dealing with your mind. Listen, if we don't understand there's a battle in your mind, you don't understand the devil and you don't understand your adversary because I'm telling you, your mind is the battleground in which he plays, in which he wars. And I'm telling we all deal with it in prayer. I deal with it in prayer. I come in here and I'll be praying. And my mind, the devil will be trying to take me on everything in the world that I ought to be doing, need to be doing, this going on. And I would, I just literally, here's what I have to do. So I, I, I pray. I, I usually pray my first 30 minutes in the Holy Ghost in tongues. My first 30 minutes. I mean, I pray in the Holy Ghost. I just pray in the Holy Ghost to try to get my mind focused on God. Because you said that's coming out of your spirit. Yes, but it's, it's working on my mind, trust me. And so he says, you've got to learn to cast down those imaginations. There's been, there's been times I just stop in the middle of my prayer and said, I rebuke that. I stand against that in the name of Jesus. I cast that down in the name of Jesus. And it will not play in my mind. And it will not stay in my mind. I'm doing business right here. And this is what I'm about to do. I'm going to see my prayers answered and heard in the name of Jesus. And so I'll stop sometimes. I may have stopped five, six, eight, ten times in my prayer and just cast down imaginations. Are y'all hearing me? You said, is everybody like that? Everybody in this room is like that. You said, not me. Oh, come on, we're going to cast something out. (laughs) Am I right? Jesus was tempted in the same way. Things coming up, popping up. I guarantee he had to cast down things. That's why he taught us what to do. Romans 12, 2 says, That uh, we ought not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for ourselves. So we understand that we can renew our minds with the Word of God because here's, here's what happens when you've got the Word in you. I've talked about this a lot. Many people don't know the Word of God. They don't know it and it's not a part of their lives. But when the Word of God's in you, it rises up and it kicks that thing out. You cannot, listen to me, you cannot think a thought out. You have to speak a thought out. Amen? You have to speak them out. You can't think them out. You gotta speak them out. And listen to me. I'm not, this is not what I'm preaching on, but I'm throwing this in there. Your prayers cannot be fear-based. Fear-based. I've never heard anybody say that before. I heard Copeland saying it the other day and years ago, years ago. We had a couple in our church that this guy was constantly being bothered bombarded with anxiety attacks. He was a young man, very was not very old at all. I mean day after day, week after week he was in the in the emergency room. The ambulance, he'd called the ambulance because he was having an anxiety attack. I went to the uh to the uh uh the the emergency room out either here I I went to the emergency room he was laying in and I walked up to him, here's what the Holy Ghost told me to tell him. He says, "You are not praying in faith. You are praying in fear." You are praying out of fear, not out of faith. And that's exactly what he was doing. He said, you're right. He said, you're right. I'm telling you, you've got to have faith-based prayers. I mean, based upon the Word of God. Now, I'm not telling you fear, don't try to uh, uh, invade that, because it will. You've got to, listen, you have authority over the spirit of fear. Huh? People that's dealing with disease and, and such as that. And there's people right now probably freaking out over that, uh, corona uh, virus it's, that they're, they're quarantining people right and left even in the United States of America. Literally hundreds of people are dying in China over this thing. They're already calling it a pandemic because it's even worse than the SOARS virus that killed so many people and they don't even believe China's telling half the story of the people that's dying over it. And people will start saying, oh my God, what are we going to do if it comes here? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to do just what I did this morning. I'm going to read Psalms 91 and declare it and claim it. No deadly disease shall come nigh my dwelling in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Don't you, don't you start talking that mess. That's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to start talking these things and, and talking about, about all these And What are we going to do? What are we going to Let me tell you, do what I just told you to do. Pull out. If you don't have no other place, just read Psalms 91 over and over and over and say, bless God, I'm going to say of the Lord, He's my refuge, my fortune, my God. In Him, I will trust in the name of Jesus. And I'm not going to fear anything the devil brings my way because no deadly disease is going to come now. my dwelling in the name of Jesus. I'm going to set my love upon Him. He's going to deliver me and He's going to honor me and He's going to uh, provide me with a long, satisfied life and showing to me His salvation. I'm telling you, when you start reading the Word of God, it'll make something jump up on the inside of you. It'll make a tadpole want to slap a whale. That's what I told you though, that wasn't it? (laughs) Make you want to swing out over hell on a cornstalk, spitting devil's eye. I'm telling you, listen, listen to me. When you get the Word of God in you, you'll rise up and say, No! Not here! Not with me! I've got a long life for myself. And I'm going to live it in the name of Jesus. See, there's some things you have to refuse. You're going to have to refuse to doubt. You're going to have to refuse what the devil brings your way. You say, Pastor, this seems, uh, this seems too good to be true. Honey, it's not. It's good and it's true. Huh? Where did I tell y'all to go? I didn't, did I? Let's go to Romans 4 real quick. See, how long you going preach till I get done? This is going to help us. Romans 4, verse 17. We'll start there. Let me get to where... This is a great thing to have. You got all these translations, but it takes me a couple of minutes to get them all. Listen to this. It's about Abraham. It's in Romans four, verse seventeen. It says, "As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations." He has appointed. He has. He was appointed our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. I'm not going to preach on that tonight, today. For Abraham, human reason for hope being gone, hoped in faith that he should become the father of many nations as he had, prom- as he had been promised. So numerous shall your descendants be. Listen to me. How many knows that Abraham was had a promise from God? God told him, "I'm going to cause you to have. You know, it's going to be going to be greater than the sand on the seashore, the stars in the sky. That's a lot of people." He said, "I'm going to make you the father of many nations." And I tell you what, everything in the world seemed to be uh, opposed to that. And you'll find out he was 75 years old when God told him all these things and when God had to come back to him again at 99 years old and showed up again and said, listen, we got to do some, we got to make some adjustments here, Abram. You're going to have to be, you're you're no longer going to be called Abram. You're going to be called Abraham. Abram meant exalted father. Abraham meant a father of multitudes. And so here's what I got to do. I've got to get something different in your mouth. If I don't get something different in your mouth, we're not going to be able to pull this thing off. Y'all got to hear me. See, if you don't get something different in your mouth, you're going to have a hard time getting answers to your prayer. you got to get some different things coming out of your mouth. And so when he did that, Abraham, and here's what he told him, and this this is not what I was preaching this morning. Here's what he told him, no longer shall you be called Abram but you shall be called Abraham. In other words, you're going to have to have everybody around you talking it. You say, we can't get that done. Listen to me. Basically, what we need to do, we don't respond to what other people say about our situation and all. Listen to me. I'm not being ugly or something, but some people talk you to death. They'll talk you to poverty. They'll talk you and say, well, you know, it's just that way. You know, I know you're believing God, but you going to say, you need to take your butt and go somewhere else. <laughs> no, I mean the Word. Y'all know what I said, B-U-T. But that's so true. We can be pumped up in faith and get around one naysayer. One naysayer that said, oh, really? Come on now, you really believe that? You are to say, I darn sure do. I wouldn't have told you if I didn't believe it. Well, it ain't going to happen. Well, you just need to remove yourself from my presence for a while. And then you sit back and watch what my God is doing and what He's going to do in my life because I am not believing this out of fear. I'm not believing this to no avail. I'm believing what God said because He said He would do it and all the promises God in Him are yes in Him, amen. I am not backing down on what God said. I will go to my grave believing the Word of God and standing on the Word of God. Listen, I'd rather die in faith than die in doubt and unbelief. Come on, church. Verse 19 said, listen to this. He did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead because he was about a 100 years old or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's deadened womb. She was 90 years old, never had a child. How would you like to be 90 and find out you're pregnant? Somebody laugh. That'd be... Ooh, shoot. Well, you'd know it'd have to be God. I figure if God gave it to you at 90, he's going to let you live long enough to raise it, so you got a good while left. So he, the Bible says he did not weaken in faith when he considered. The Bible says he considered not. So he look, here's the thing about Abraham. I don't know what kind of mirrors they had back then, but when he looked in the mirror, he knew he was 100 years old or 99 years old. You can say, well, I think God missed it on me. Honey, God didn't miss it on nobody. God ain't going to miss it. You've got to understand something. God had a plan for him, had given him a promise. Look in verse 20 real quick. It says, No unbelief or distrust made him waver, doubtingly questioned concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave, as he gave praise and glory to God. No unbelief or distrust made him waver or doubtingly question the promises of God. How many of us have questioned the promises of God when things did not seem to be going our way? We all have, myself included. What God wants us to do is just pull us out of that realm of doubt and unbelief and and say God said it. God said it. Abraham got finally got to the place where this is what God said. God said I was going to be a father of a multitude and it was going to come from your lo- uh, your body uh, Sarah. In fact the Bible says in Hebrews 1111 11, Sarah herself received strength to conceive when she was past. The, the age of bearing, because she judged God faithful who had promised. Honey, you've got to get to the place where I judge the Word of God greater than anything else anybody can say or do in my life. I look at the Word of God as a settled, uh, as being a settled thing in my life, and it don't matter what anybody says, I have the promise of God, and I will not doubt the promise of God. But you got to have it. You can't say, Pastor, that, see, that, that, that that blows my mind. I don't understand all that. Listen to me. You've got to know this. If doubt and unbelief uh, stop Jesus from doing miracles then, it will stop him from doing miracles now. Yeah. And the devil will try to make you question everything. I don't know about this, and, and uh, I don't understand why this happened. I don't understand. Some things you just need to put under the blood of Jesus and say, God, we're going on from here. We're going on from here. We're going on from here. I'm starting a new day. Honey, sometimes we just have to get the, uh, get the blood to wipe that slate clean and just say, we're going on from here. We're going. I fully intend to live a full, satisfied life. Totally believe it. I wrote this down. Abraham did not let what seemed impossible control his mind. He did let, not let what seemed impossible to control his mind. Glory to God. Can I go to one more? Would y'all be alright if I did? Let's go to James. The book of James, chapter 1. I have to get to this one. It's just now 12 o'clock. If I let y'all at 12, y'all be spoiled. It says, If anyone lacks wisdom, Let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. I'm in the New King James. Without uh, 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 verse 5, chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will, listen, I love it, and it will be given to him. But, this is a but we need to listen to. But let him ask in faith. With no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Well, maybe he'll he'll have an exception. Maybe he won't. Is that, did y'all read this? The, 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 look at the Amplified. It says this. Let's, let's look at verse... Uh, uh, what verse I want to read in this one. It's, uh, I think it's verse, uh, uh, verse 8. For being as he is, Amplified says, for being as he is a man of two minds, hesitating, dubious, irresolute, he is unstable... And unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. I'm telling you, we have got to get a grip on unbelief and say, "I refuse to doubt. I'm going to stick with the Word of God." If you, can you do this for me, Junior? Punch up the Message Bible, verse eight. The 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 in the Message Bible, I've got it down here, so it must be good. Maybe it ain't this particular one. That ain't it, huh? So, listen, that's not the one... That was probably something else I was supposed to read. Cancel that. But here's what he said. He said, when you pray, didn't he say ask? That's what we're talking about, praying. And when you ask, ask in faith. With no doubting. He says, because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, don't let that man think that he shall receive anything from God. So if... We're in doubt and unbelief, a man of two minds. It's kind of, it's kind of like this. You, everybody knows what a, mind, a man a two minds is like. It's, a, it's like uh, you say, I'm believing God for my healing, and you walk out and say, well, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. It probably, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to get healed or nothing like that. You just become a person of double-mindedness. Because right when you said you believe it, you turn right around and say you don't believe it. Now, this is important to us to get answered prayer, is it not? Yes. It's very important. Abraham had to make up his mind, I'm going to believe God. <laughs> Jesus, uh, uh, I wrote this down. Doubt is a thief. Doubt is a thief. It will rob you of the greater things of God in your life. And then we'll blame God for everything like, oh well, you know. I remember a story when Jesus walked on the water in closing. When Jesus was walking on the water in Mark, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus went, Jesus came and you, y'all all know the story and, and Jesus, uh, came walking on the water that the seas were turmoil. There was in a storm and everything else. And, and when they saw him, the Bible says they were, they were fearful when they saw him. They consider it was a ghost. And anyway, when they said they called out to Jesus, said, Jesus, uh, and Jesus, said, actually, he kind of tried to calm them down, saying, hold on, don't worry. It's, it's okay. It's me. And, uh, and, uh, Peter said, well, if it is you, if it is you, bid me to come to you on the water. Well, Jesus said, come. What else was he going to say? It was him. And so he said, come. Well, Peter jumped out of the boat, darling. He jumped out, walked on the water. By golly. That that wasn't a bad deal, was it? Jumped out, walked on the water. He starts heading to Jesus. The waves are, 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 are uh, swishing on him. The, the wind's blowing. And he's looking at Jesus. He said, Glory, I'm walking on the water. I'm walking on the water. And all of a sudden, he started thinking. I, I guarantee you, Dar- Charlotte, the devil said, you can't walk on water. You can't walk on water. What's wrong with you? I mean, you're, you, you ain't supposed to be out on this water. And he probably thought, maybe you're right. I can't walk on water. What's wrong with me? What was I thinking? What was I thinking jumping out of that boat? Am I crazy? It's kind of like us. We believe in God for something. And, and the devil said, what do you mean trying to believe for that? Are you crazy? No, no, no. I've got a promise. The whole the, what, Here's what was keeping Peter on the water. It was the fact that Jesus said, come. He was walking on the word that Jesus said. But here's what happened. Right in the middle of his miracle, he got his eyes off of Jesus. And then he started looking at the way, or feeling the ways, are feeling the wind, and experiencing the waves. And the Bible says when he did, he cried out to Jesus, and he began to sink. He began to sink. Jesus reached out his hand, And he pulled Peter up, and the Amplified Bible says he held him. He held him. And then he asked him a question. Why did you doubt? He asked him a question. Why did you doubt? Man, you was walking in a miracle. And all it took was just you losing focus on what brought you to the miracle. And then you began to sink. Why did you doubt? Peter could have said, well, did you know, really, we don't see in here where Peter gave him an answer. But we know from reading why he doubted. It was because of the wind. It was because of the waves. But what we don't know was what was going on here. Now, we know what's going on here because we've all dealt with it. He started dealing with his mind. I guarantee when he jumped out of that boat, all of a sudden, the devil starts bombarding his mind. You can't walk on water. You can't be healed. You won't be healed. You'll never get that need met. You'll never have your money brought to you. You'll never be able to keep your job. You'll never be able to do that. And all of a sudden, he starts doing, and I tell you what, if you start veering off and focusing on what He's telling you, guess what starts happening next? You start sinking. You start sinking. Thank God for the mercy of God when you call out to Him because He'll reach out He'll pull you back up. Let me tell you something. I believe this, and you'll find out when you go to heaven and watch the video. I don't believe Jesus picked him up and carried him like a baby back to the boat. I believe they walked back to the boat together. We don't know how far out he was out of the boat. We really don't. But either way, Jesus didn't say he cradled him up. He held him. Can you Anybody held him like he probably held him and said, okay, it's going to be all right. Did you know sometimes you just need to be held by the Word of God? It's going to be all right. Then got back to the boat and there was a great calm and Jesus asked him the question, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Leaving me to believe, Corey." that the reason he was sinking was because of doubt. Because of doubt. Huh? Or he would have never asked him that question. Huh? Father, we love you. We thank you today that we have a spirit of faith. Every single one of us. Every one of us has been dealt the measure of faith.